did. Change your perspective. It's all in your mind. And I can write, and I can punch buttons on a keyboard, on a computer, and I can make things happen. on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm sitting here with Jacob Chiachi and David Whiteman from Extreme Animals. Do you guys tour any, under any other names or just... Uh... Yeah, we do. Um, uh, we tour under our... On this tour, we're touring under Jacob Chiachi and David Whiteman because we're doing solo performances as well. But, David, you've toured under... Yeah, I've toured as uh, Fortress of Amplitude... Uh, Powdered wigs and chariots of fire, which are other performance projects. And in the past, I've toured with Paper Rad, and uh, there was a band, a Paper Rad band called Gay Nerds. Gay Nerds. Yeah, that was me and Ben Jones. Nice. That's uh, a classy name. Yeah. 
very uh, Game Boy esque. Yeah, I get. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, and, uh, and PC. Yeah. So normally I interview comics folks, uh, but sometimes I kind of go off the grid. And you've done comics in the past, mm-hmm. Paper Rad. Mm-hmm. I don't know if David has or not. Oh. I tried. I didn't get any info on you online. Oh really? Good. I got him <laughs> under the radar for now. <laughs> don't want anybody to know what I'm up to. It's all yeah. Very dark. <laughs> but there is you, you released you released once a compendium two compendiums from his right. from different periods of his life you want to talk about those yeah the first was a book of drawings I did that was just like basically creating char- characters for comics what was that one called the danger is on yeah and then the second was just like all my um, Dungeons and Dragons characters and um and, and papers, but I I had developed the, my own system. It wasn't officially D and D. It was just kind of like a random role playing game system. So much of the book is just like charts and charts and charts of different like awesome. systematic rules. Thank you. Very uh, elaborate. Yeah. yeah. Now. I guess part of the reason I wanted to chat with you guys, like, I had no idea that you're coming to town. Yeah. And then I saw your name, Jacob's name, and I was like, that's familiar. What's it familiar from? <laughs> so this is, I think, on Thursday or Friday. And right. So luckily we're able to set up an interview here. Brief time you're in town for... Are you doing the night here, or are you going to go back to Seattle in the morning? We're going to spend the night here at someone named Stu's house. You know Stu? No, no Stu. And then we're It's a very out. Canadian name, though. Is it? Cool. We're driving back tomorrow and then flying to Chicago from Seattle. Oh, okay. Tour on the East Coast. So the one thing I watched the uh, the demo, the piece tape. Oh yeah. The, or not demo, but the uh, teaser maybe. The teaser is that kind of an idea of what to expect with the show? Yeah. There's there's um, tonight there's. Uh, three Extreme Animals songs with video, and the videos are comparable in speed, maybe, to Peace Tape. They're newer, um, but they're edited found footage mixed with animation. And then Extreme Animals music, live music, and then in between are performances by me and David. So, uh, okay. so there's a Fortress of Amplitude piece, which has video in the background, but it's it's, it's, its own distinct solo performance and there's my solo performance. Now, I guess, is this kind of a continuation of the work you were doing with Paper Rat? Um, yes and no. Yes I mean, no. I was always in- inclined with Paper Rat to do uh, work with found footage or work with media in a sort of appropriate way. Um, and I'm still doing that. But... I'm not collaborating with Ben and Jessica on this tour. I'm collaborating with David, so in that way, it's nothing. It ha- it's not Paper Rad. David actually went on tour with Paper Rad at least two times. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and what did you do? I'm trying to remember. Fortress of Amplitude. I, yeah, yeah, I did Fortress of Amplitude on those tours. Now, tell me about the. Uh, I guess the concept you do with the. Um, kind of trying to find the right term to use so of the video mashup mm-hmm. like I'm curious the idea behind um, kind of creative uh, copyright I wonder if that's any mm-hmm. kind of thought that you guys 
go into it as far as like what is artistic ownership within the work? Um, or am I just starting off way too? No, way too heady. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, it's funny you should ask that because I just talked at a undergraduate class at in Vancouver, Washington. And oh, they right. asked the same thing. It was about a, like the class was actually about Maya, which is a 3D software, 3D graphics software. But they were asking me about appropriation, and uh, I mean, it's I think it's just sort of like a um, using footage is it's kind of a part of our culture, and it even has been, even before the com before computers and the internet, but it's even easier to do now, or in a way, maybe not easier, but uh, more accessible. Yeah, yeah, like dragging an image off of a web page onto your hard drive is very easy to do. So I think that it's just a part of, it has been and is a part of our culture, um, and, and you can either do very smart things with it or not very smart things depending on who you are I really don't see a separation between appropriation and unappropriated work I, I kind of see them as one and the same because if you're not appropriating images you're appropriating ideas mm -hmm. or and I think that's something that we can speak to in our music as well is it's if it's even if the melodies aren't are invented in quotes they're derivative in another sense, so, yeah. So I guess it's kind of like, kind of acknowledging, or not necessarily acknowledging, but like kind of going, we're working within this wider kind of intellectual framework of kind of things, ideas bouncing off each other, and this is just where things kind of go. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, Like one thing that I think me and David are both interested in is like po pockets of culture. Like I wouldn't really use the word subculture because it's a bit outdated maybe or something, but like developments, little developments that happen, styles or movements, mini movements, and uh, and then kind of cross-breeding or cross um like juxtaposing different little I don't know what would you call it? like just like oh this is like doom metal mixed with existential mixed with you know what I mean like I don't know we've been doing that we've known each other since high school and I feel like even in high school we kind of did that a little bit when we would come up with ideas for bands it would be like what if it was like punk but then mixed with this I mean it was a much more primitive form of it but yeah now a lot of the visuals and the music from the the YouTube clip was very kind of 90s as like especially with like the almost happy hardcore mm -hmm. yeah um, is that kind of what's pulling you to that era David <laughs> I mean I'm sure a lot of it is that we grew up in that era you know era in the large part I and mean, that's when we um, but like I'm curious is this 
something that you like you're saying you grew up in that is that something you were into at that time or is it kind of like a kind of look at a past that maybe you weren't part of or kind of wave reinventing past well yeah I mean I was just one of the reason I pointed at you is because of the the, the we weren't ravers when we were in high school well you were talking about Dungeons and Dragons earlier yeah I mean and then Dungeons and Dragons that, for both of us was like really? junior high so that is a, that was an actual past yeah but go ahead I think even if we weren't participating in these things, they were around us and right. so we have a relationship to them. Yeah, exactly. Even if you're not a raver, you have a relationship to the idea of rave culture, and and that is and and so it's interesting to to take a stereotype or take an element of what that represents and use it in the work, you know. Were you ever exposed to like emergency broadcast network or some um, cold cuts? Not until I think maybe we might have seen because they did a they um, did the backgrounds for a U two tour for one of the they did the video for this like this one of the early I don't even know that yeah like, I don't know not what early, I think but about mid, that yeah like mid career YouTube or not YouTube YouTube <laughs> um, and that was happening when we were in high school. So maybe, like, I feel like I saw, like, found footage art, in quotes, Yeah. when I was in high school and knew about it because we grew up in Chapel Hill and probably we heard, like, Negative Land on this really good college radio, but I didn't know what it, I didn't, like, name it. What we, what we didn't know about was John Zorn. He was, like, a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, and the boredoms. But not, I didn't really know what the board, I didn't know it was called noise music, but I knew it was, like... Um, about like appropriate like taking ideas and reinventing them or something but yeah no EBS is like a video mashup from the from the VHS days so I didn't know about it then but I learned about that in college I think or maybe after college I think that's about the era they probably were Uh around that time so I'm 32. How old are you? 32. Oh, wow. Okay. There we go. We're all 32 except for... I think I saw them play in Vancouver probably 10 or 9 9 or 10 years ago, Uh opening for DJ Spooky. Oh, yeah. Right. (laughs) He had his big... uh, He had his stage set up with his bass or whatever. It's kind of whatever, but the neat thing is he had him on stage with this record that just stuck out there with Sun Ra meets John Cage. Well, they were actually playing together or something? Apparently sometime they played together. That's sad. I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know what John Cage would have played live. Pressed the piano a couple of times <laughs> or something. Or right. Would have been interesting. So. David actually teaches a class. Yeah, just finished the contemporary music class at UCSD summer course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cage talking about Cage, yeah, a lot in the class. Well, Cage, I mean, that's he's such a fascinating because he's like really a theorist on more of that than a musician, right? Well, I mean, I think some people would argue about that, but I I agree with you. I like more of his ideas than any of in theory than practice. Yeah, like um, maybe other people actually were like took his ideas and made them more applicable. Is that what you're kind of saying, or? Yeah, I feel like the the impact that his ideas would have is greater than his own work or something. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Like earlier, we were talking a bit about some of the old, like, Klaus Schultz. Talked about him for a little bit. Um, like, the music that I'm hearing from the stuff doesn't feel steep in that mm-hmm. culture, but is that something that's kind of feeding into the work you're making? Yeah, I don't know. We've always, like, wanted to do... I don't know. We'll, like, ever, we'll never be that pure, I don't think. Like, yeah. <laughs> not to imply that Klaus Schulz is, like, a purist, but but he is... Like, that kind of music is kind of... Uh, But what makes it what makes a purity? Yeah, that's a, that's kind of what I'm curious about. I mean, is it being because I mean everyone's got their influences. Everyone, and you're talking about that how like whether right. it's up front or behind. Yeah, that's why I, I I hesitated. I backed off saying that he was pure because he's probably like got some interesting hybrid stuff going on. Yeah, but I was just thinking like to be called synthesizer music. I don't know if we would ever be called that. Maybe it's just because of the technology we use, or... I don't know, you know what I'm saying, yeah, David? Or, like, another example... Some of these, like, um, like doom metal bands where it's just so much about, like, having these specific amplifiers and then playing these very right. specific songs where it's very clear. Some of those... I mean, uh, we're inspired by that ex- level of, like, hardcoreness when it comes to gear and, like kind of hard, like being really narrow in your focus but I don't know if that's that's not really how yeah it's yeah. not really how we it's not really how ever. our tradition how we've traditionally worked with well what do you guys use for gear like it's really just whatever's around or whatever we can get our hands on and it's changed like this tour is electronics and guitar it was typically been electronics and drums when you buy electronics it's pretty yeah I know that's wide big <laughs> um, it's, it's there's always been a signal that has been pre-composed a MIDI signal mixed with elements that I'm um, generating live on pedals and drum machines so okay there's usually one thing that I guess we've usually always done in Extreme Animals is compositions are for the most part completed ahead of time. There's not the the form of the composition is not improvised, but the then we're just like you know playing with pedals as we move through it.
We came up with pure energy by going through several names, including G Kids, G Force, Kickstar, Shamble Jam, Crush, and Can Do. And then Jordan's mom had an idea of energy times three, and it just kind of came back to us as pure energy. And we liked that name because it was exciting, and we're always full of energy. Energy. Nothing is forgotten. Nothing is ever forgotten. Energy. And we're back. I'm sitting here talking with uh, Jacob Chiachi and David Whiteman. Uh, we had a brief uh, repass. A little, uh, little food, a little Indian food. How was your food, boys? Fantastic. Oh, this is right in front of me. I have it right in front of me. Um, yeah, it was delicious. Excellent. One of Vancouver's uh, class here, Indian place, the Chutney Villa. I wonder if I'll get any money for uh, advertising. <laughs> totally, yeah. Dude. Um, now, we were just talking a bit about music, comics, and uh, about image, and uh, I guess you guys were big Rob Liefeld fans. <laughs> well... Um, I, I remember really thinking that the more details you added to a drawing, the better it made the drawing. So, I think I, there's a whole movement behind him. I've heard some people that think because he's such an idiosyncratic artist, yeah, that there's some kind of like idiot savant. Yeah, I've heard that to too. Him. Actually, there's a there's an internet. There's a, some funny internet. Oh, I can't remember. It. Whatever. <laughs> Just type in Rob Layfield, you'll find something funny about him. Yeah, something immense. And then we got to talking about Wally Wood, and I kind of told you about how he right. lost his ability I didn't to know draw. That. And, and then I was gonna, what I was going to say was that when I was little, when I was first learning about all like the illnesses that you could get, um, I remember... Like, I was, I guess I must have known that I liked to draw, and I also knew that I liked music. 
because I, I remember thinking, well, what would be worse, going blind or going deaf? And I was, and I remember thinking, well, maybe if I do both, it won't matter, because whichever one happens first, I'll just switch to the other one. And and I, um, I don't know. I, I, maybe that's. <laughs> what about Beethoven? Yeah, I mean, you could do, you could do, or being a blind painter or something, but it'd be nice to be able to experience what you're putting out. Do you still, like, for the animation within the work, yeah. within instrumentals, that's your art yeah. or both of you? Actually, the video's all me. Okay. It's all me. I mean, within, like, when it's Fortress of Amplitude, it's with David's input yeah. heavily. It's a collaboration. But when it's, for the most part, when it's been Extreme Animals, it's been my, my videos. Now, I noticed one of the things you referenced to was Sunday morning cartoons. Yeah. Now, I, maybe this is purely Canadian thing. When I grew up, we didn't have really, Saturday morning we had tons of cartoons, right. but Sunday morning was like, that was the shit. That was just, yeah, that we was, didn't. Go that ahead was terrible. <laughs> that was mostly golf. Yeah. yeah, I think maybe that's not an accurate... We didn't come up with that. Peter um, Burr from Cartoon Express, that he wrote that as okay. sort of a press release for us. But you know what I like about that term, David? I don't know if you how you would feel about this, but just, yeah, Saturday morning cartoons were the, was the jam. Sunday was a dead zone. But maybe Sunday morning cartoons could refer to like Christian cartoons or Christian children's programming, which there is a heavy dose of in some of the new videos as well as some of the old videos appropriated I mean when you go to a thrift store half of the children's VHS is is Christian yeah. so it's, it's just you're inevitably going to start sampling it eventually <laughs> Even, but so I, I thought that maybe that could have been an interpretation so you, when you're looking for source material you're not you're not limiting yourself to the internet you're going yeah. with whatever you find it anywhere. started pre-internet it started with um, for me, the first video I made with found footage was just videotaping the TV, and then it's turned into um, videotaping. Um, can I have this? Yes. Videotaping um, cable, like we would we would make uh, record cable tapes for uh, each other. That was in Boston when we were living in Boston. What do you mean by cable tapes? Like, we would, uh, me and Jessica had cable for some reason. We weren't paying it for it. We just had it left over, maybe from Stephen Wright. <laughs> and we, uh... You should probably mention oh yeah, what that I used, is. I used to live in the same apartment that before us, Stephen Wright, the comedian, lived in. And, and just recently I was compared to him in my flat delivery of jokes, I guess, or something. But anyway, so... We had cable and... We would just record, try and record the stuff to share with, with actually with Ben or with Joe, other people, Ben Jones or Joe Grillo, and and then we had this footage, and I think I made a, a um, we made a V for our for, for the Extreme Animals first tour, we made a VHS copy. Hey guys, are you interested in seeing dessert? Uh, we're full. Yeah. yeah. Get this ready. Thanks. Whenever you're ready. We made like a VHS compilation of animations. It was like the first paper ad comp. Yeah. And then there was a bunch of uh, found footage on there. 
from the cable tapes. You know. So you, your aspect with Paper Rattle is more the video, well, not so much the physical installation? No, I did it all. Um, I think we all did it all. Okay. Yeah. I didn't just do video. I was curious about that. And yeah. in that time, you guys also did, um, like, music videos for folks as you guys reading? Yeah, I guess that was, like, Wildfire. Well, there was a couple. I think Paper had never made a music video for anyone. Wildfile made music videos, and that was me and Ben, and sometimes other people. Uh, definitely always Eric Mast from Portland. He runs a label called Audio Dregs. And it's always Eric, sometimes me, most of the time Ben, and sometimes other people too. And it was just kind of like, in a way it was kind of, was or maybe still is, like using a lot of the techniques and ideas that we come up with through paper ad and in a more commercial setting maybe. But that they were all done in really minimal budgets, right? That was kind of part of the idea? Well... No. Or he only got so much money to do something. Yeah, like I actually no, it wasn't a minimal budget. It was just that was the that was what we were interested in visually doing. Um, if you're talking about like how they looked or something, and we got paid to make like a Beck video, Beck and Beck video, video remixes. It wasn't the same amount as you would get paid to make a real music video. Yeah, but it was more money than I'd ever gotten for my own work at the time. So yeah. Do you see the future of your kind of artistic output to be primarily the audio video experiences? Oh, good question. What do you think, David? Um, de yeah, definitely um, more music in the yeah. future. Um, but I think this tour, I mean, with this tour we've done something different. I don't know if we talked about this, but usually we, well, last summer we did we kind of alternate, alternated nights doing one night doing our band Extreme Animals and the other night doing more video some with live performance mm -hmm. and so in this this time we've just done kind of combined the two th things and um, so so I think yeah continue now you guys are mentioning to have merch I'm curious what kind of I, that's a bad term. I don't like that merch, but <laughs> you'll have items associated yeah. with your products. Yeah. <laughs> what are we gonna right. have? We have um, we have a new DVD that that Eric just put out on his label, Audio Dregs, that are the <clears throat> the that has the music and the video from the three songs that we're gonna play tonight. Um, and we have a CD that was put out on a Milwaukee label, um, Vicious Pop, and then you have your new uh, solo record. Yeah, I have a, another solo, a solo record on Audio Dregs as well. It's 10 years of music, um, and a lot of it is from, is from older paper ad videos, so it's sort of like soundtracks, and then there's a DVD of newer work. Soundtracks for the ADD. Yeah, soundtracks for the ADD on DVD. One interesting thing I think about um, we, we, it was, I, we, we're not, we didn't have a CDR on the store. We just have a DVD. Yeah. And I, my thought on that was that maybe 
people are more inclined to buy DVDs on tour. When we're on tour, people always want the DVD. It's more than the CDs. Well, it's also kind of a weird, a strange time yeah. for selling music, right? Because the CD yeah. is almost more of a burden at yeah. this point, you know. Yeah. And um, and then I mean, people are trying to solve that problem by like selling posters with the MP3 code on it, but that seems yeah. a little awkward as well. So. With this DVD, we still have you know our music and the videos on it. So. Yeah, maybe DVDs are almost obsolete. Right. Too. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> on the last couple tours, that's the thing people wanted to buy was DVDs, and so this project is I don't know. It's almost tailored to that in a way. Like it, it's we made all new music and all new videos for the for this tour. Now, the the content. What's the attraction to kind of pushing people's uh, senses? Maybe it's a good question because I mean it's like very audio and visually right. stimulating. Yeah, I don't know what the attraction is. Because <laughs> that's uh, something you just maybe it's to. not. Yeah, no, I. What do you think? Like musically, I can I can say where I've got my inspiration for the video stuff from, but I'm just curious. Like, yeah, I, like this idea of high energy. Where did we first get into that? I think, for, like you were talking about John Zorn earlier. Yeah, and we had our friend Ned. Yeah, Nathaniel was really interested in that, and that was I think that was kind of the first exposure to this. That kind of energy. I mean, it, yeah. what, we're, what we're doing is really different. I, I mean, uh, and yeah. I think that, like, looking at that music now is. Uh, Are you talking like, like Naked City? Yeah, era? like the Naked. Yeah, the, the totally. first Naked, Naked City. City. Album, but, that um, really blew all of our minds in high school. Like Torture Garden. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But even and that, and we were talking about sort of happy hardcore earlier, and the way that that music is kind of in, interested in. You know, um, it's very dated and emblematic in a way. Yeah. But the, but it, I think it's value, like the core values behind that music. Like if you would describe that music to somebody, it, it would be the you know the, the best music ever. You know, but then you then you hear it, and there's some things that are really great about it. But you know, at, at the same time, you know, some modern listener might be like, well, this is dated in some ways. But right. but this idea of like, yeah, happy hardcore. I mean, even just the title. Without the sort of yeah. associations, it's like, what could be better? So yeah. like the level of ridiculousness to it. Yeah, like happy and hardcore combined. Like, wouldn't you want to be hard, happy in the most hardcore way possible? Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like... Sitting on big comfy pillows. And right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and, and, you know, I think we were kind of like getting into those ideas of like extreme um, states, you know? Yeah. But, but within within sort of certain cultural contexts, and then Andrew, we found out about Andrew WK around the same time. And he was like, all of a sudden, it was like, oh my God, here's this person who's also doing this. And it, like, but yeah. with this mo- model, his model is party, um, party, party. Yeah, it's like have this fun, sort of like thing. '80s everyman metal guy or something, yeah. you know. But it's the same kind of like. You know, dealing with positivity and uh, all of the in, the trap, the in, all of the traps that fall into that. Yeah. When you're like un- unabashedly positive, you know. The happy hardcore maybe is a bit like that. You know, like it's over the top positive. It, it you know it just it makes me think of like someone with a doctor or a cat in the hat, yeah, hat and yeah. big puffy pants and. Right, like there's this sort there, of like. like a, 
It, it's there's something comfortable about it. <laughs> I think there's. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no I'll, I'll say what happened. Oh, okay. I think there's something like about about it that has to do with like when someone's in an ecstatic space, they're simultaneously like like they may be having an amazing time, but they look like fools, kind of. Yeah. I think there's something essential to at least the early extreme animals, and maybe even the videos more recently or put even what David's what David does with Ford's amplitude it's like there's something about like going to an ecstatic place in order to become embarrassed yeah. <laughs> or something or like in order to bring up that issue of when you are psyched you look silly or something I don't know what were you, so what were you going to say David I was just um, when you mentioned the cat in the hat and the, the doctor's mask it reminded me of something that I feel like um came up from doing the like the first tour that there was always a, that there was a a kind of a simultaneous appreciation but also kind of a critical distance yeah. of, of these ideas happening at the same time like understanding okay you know they seem weird but also just like a genuine respect for it, for that music and those ideas right yeah no I think that's true so that you know so getting back to your question like why what's up with the bombardment <laughs> it's kind of like the extreme animals bombardment came out of this interest in making high energy music uh, that that was like uh we were not like amazing technically. We're not like technical virtuosos. So the, the high energy can't really come from um, our virtuosic playing. It comes from like our attitude or something. Yeah. So it's kind of punk in that way or something. But it's also like, I don't know. And that, I think that carries through in the videos. Like the videos are sloppy. Um, they're not look, we just opened up for Charles Atlas who's like this older video artist and I couldn't help but notice like how beautiful his videos looked yeah. how everything he did was like like every sing it's, his is all found footage too mostly but it was like every clip was like so meticulously yeah, edited yeah and metic well not only edited but also like just like captured off of whatever media without any noise or compression yeah. mistakes or <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then it was like our videos came afterward and I was just like and here I, come the kids yeah and it was also like I know like when I see something like that I know it just reinforces what's good about what I do which is that it's not that yeah. you know and I think like that always happens to me when we're like Extreme Animals is playing with someone that's really good but different and forces me to like remember what it is that I'm here to do and like how to push that further especially that night you know like okay this guy came out with this totally this vibe I've got to just flip it take it to the other extreme or something push it to the limit yeah we should probably get going back down to the okay. space thank you guys both for uh, sitting and chatting with me in yeah, a brief moment of uh, time that you have here yeah and I look forward to the show tonight yeah thank thanks you. a lot thank you hello people There's a better life on the other side. I mean, if you really want to save this freaking world... What's wrong? Maybe you'll get an idea from it to, to actually get an idea how bad it is. Why? Especially coming from someone so young.
not some, I mean, why don't they ever try to actually clean it up? I know that you don't want to hear it. What the hell is happening? Where's my going green paper?